Well, I don't know about you, but my favorite moment whenever I'm at a wedding is the moment when the groom sees his bride for the first time. It's such a great moment. He's standing at the front of the church or the wedding venue, and there's this anticipation building. You can see it on his face, this excitement, and it continues to build and build and build and build, and then he sees her. She turns the corner or the doors are swung wide open and all the emotion that's been held inside of him just comes pouring out and tears of joy come out of his eyes. There's a smile as big as the room, all of it written on his face as he sees her for the first time, his bride. I love that moment and I can't go to a wedding or or perform a wedding as a pastor without thinking about that moment and thinking about that moment when I saw my bride, Catherine, for the very first time. I mean, when I saw my best friend begin walking down the aisle, that, that moment, that memory is forever etched in my mind because there's no moment like it. And yes, I, I cried because I, I had so much emotion in that moment, um, but that's such a beautiful moment. And every time I'm at a wedding, I can't help it but I think about that moment because there's just something special about two people coming together in marriage. Now that's true and it always will be, but it's also true that it's much easier to be married on your wedding day. It's very easy to be married on your wedding day as compared to being married for 5, 10, 20, even 30, 40 years. It's much harder to be married then when you have bills to pay and kids and a house to worry about and stress at work and you've had that same argument that you've had a hundred times again, it's much harder to be married then. See, there's this reality about marriage is that it can start out as a blessing, but it can also end up as a battle. And so what do you do with that reality? If that's the place you're in right now, that your, your marriage feels more like a battle than a blessing, what do you do with that? Because maybe you're, you're in that place right here today, or maybe you felt that way for a while, is that your marriage feels more like a battle when it's meant to be a blessing. So what do you do with that reality? Well, thankfully, in this letter that we've been tracking through called 1 Peter, Peter, the author, is going to talk to to married couples. He's got some things to say to couples about how they can live their life together in this world in such a way that their marriage moves from a battle to a blessing. And so if you have a Bible, why don't you go ahead and grab it and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 1 to 7 today. And the first thing we're going to focus on is the very first words out of Peter's mouth in verse 1, where he says the word, likewise. Now, that's the key to everything else Peter is going to say. See, what Peter is doing here is he's connecting what he is about to say to what he has just said. And so we can't go any further before we go back. And so let's back up together to verse 22 of chapter 2, where Peter says this. He, when he's, he's talking about Jesus here, he says, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So at the very heart of Christianity is this idea that God himself gave himself for us, that this God, Jesus, who had all power and glory and honor in heaven, made a decision to give that up to become human and then to give himself over to suffering and death for us. 
And Jesus wasn't coerced into this. No one forced him to do it. Jesus did this willingly. He did it willingly for a purpose, and that purpose was us. So that we could have our relationship with God healed, so that we could have the possibility of having a new kind of life. Jesus did something that was unprecedented, unrivaled, unequaled, a -a once-in-a-kind extravagant sacrifice where he gave himself for us, for our good and our flourishing. And Peter, with that word likewise, as he begins chapter 3, Peter wants our eyes on this and our attention on this, and he wants our hearts captivated by this reality of Jesus giving himself for us and for our good. Why? Because this is the key to not just understanding your marriage, but to actually going and living it. And so before Peter directs husbands and wives to go and do anything, he directs us to a someone. He directs our gaze to Jesus and the message about him. And so whenever we talk about marriage, whenever we talk about how that's going to be played out between husband and wives, this is where we start. With the, with the message of, of Jesus and who he is and what he's done. And then, and only then, do we move on to how husbands and wives are meant to live together as a couple. And so with Peter, starting with that word likewise, he anchors us in the message about Jesus and then he moves on to talk to wives first and how husbands and wives are meant to live together in marriage. This is what he says in verse 1. He says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with an imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious." So Peter starts by talking to wives. And the first words out of his mouth are also some of the hardest words to hear. He says, wives, be subject to your husbands. Now to be subject means to willingly, voluntarily submit or yield yourself to another. It means to position yourself underneath someone and act in a posture of love and and service. And so what Peter is saying when he starts this way is wives, be willing and be willingly submitting to your husband. Well, that's, that's not easy to hear. That's, that's hard to hear, especially in our culture today that, that pushes back against any kind of authority or, or, or putting ourselves under the authority of any, anyone else. So what, why does Peter say this? What is he doing? Well, Peter is addressing two different realities that are at play here. The first is a, is a gospel reality. See, remember, Peter is... He's not just pulling this out of nowhere. He's not just putting this in here to say it. He's fastening this idea to the message of Jesus, to who he is and what he's done and how that is meant to play out in our life as husband and wives together. And so Peter is grounding this act of submission in the actions of Jesus to his willing surrender to God the Father, to his willing surrender to suffering and death for our good and flourishing. And so the reality of wives submitting to their husbands is connected here to Jesus submitting himself to the Father and to the cross for us. So what Jesus did on an eternal scale when he died and and, and he rose again, what he did in that act of submission 
wiser to do within the context of their marriage. And so we can't read what Peter says here without reading that into this. And so Peter says, wives willingly submit to your husbands. And let's be really clear that this isn't uh, across the board submission. There are limits to this. It's not submitting into all things at all times in every way to your husband. There are limits to this submission, like abuse, or if your husband doesn't believe and he's asking you to deny Jesus or, or to live in a way that's outside of what God says is right, good, true, and best. But when it's right and it's good and it's fitting, Peter is inviting, he's calling wives to join Jesus in this act of submission because that's what Jesus did for them. And this isn't because women are inferior or men are superior. In fact, just a bit later, Peter is going to go on to say that women are heirs to the grace of life with men. And this is Peter saying that men and women are equal in every way and get to enjoy together all the privileges that come with being God's child. Together they both share in the same eternal destiny. They both share in the same inheritance that they're going to receive when Jesus comes back and sets all things right. And this idea, it was absolutely revolutionary in Peter's day. So if you were to look at the Greek and Roman culture, women weren't even allowed to share in the worship of the gods that they worshipped. And then look at the Jewish culture. In the Jewish synagogue, women couldn't even participate in the worship service uh, like men, which meant that they didn't have the same kind of access to God. So this is the world that Peter is speaking into where women don't have access to God in the same way, where their rights were limited and they weren't able to do the same things that men. But here Peter is saying that everyone has access to God, men and women, because of what Jesus has done and what he offers. So this new question arose, what do you do with this new reality, with this new situation caused by the gospel? And Peter's answer to wives is this, live your life in such a way that it breaks down every barrier that is there to your husband meeting Jesus. Live your life in such a way that your husband is drawn to Jesus, win them by the way you live your life. Live your life in such a way that when he watches you and he sees how you live, he sees who God is and what God is like. Live your life in such a way that he sees the power of God to change a life and what happens when God gets a hold of someone. Live your life in such a way that you show him that the values of culture are not the same values that you hold. Live in such a way that shows him that Christianity is beautiful and it works in the middle of suffering, in the middle of all that life throws at you. This, Peter says, is the way to win a husband to Jesus if you're in that situation. And so, yes, there's this call for wives to willingly submit themselves to their husband, but Peter has this greater purpose in mind that every barrier, every obstacle in the way of a, a husband meeting Jesus would be broken down as his, as his wife lives her life. And this is the situation that Peter is speaking into. He's actually empowering women to be missionaries within their own marriage, and this is totally unheard of in Peter's day and age. And so at the end of verse 6, Peter finishes talking to wives, but he's, but he's not done. He still has some work to do because just like wives have a part to play, so do husbands. And so in verse 7 of uh, chapter 3, he's going to say this, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you to the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. 
Now notice that Peter does the exact same thing uh, talking to husbands as he does when he talks to wives. He starts by bringing Jesus into the conversation. He starts again with the message about Jesus and then he says to husbands, now go and live in this way with your wife. He says, men be understanding. Be considerate and sensitive to the feelings of your wife. Care about what she cares about. Listen to her. Join her in what she is walking through and enjoys. Be understanding. Well, that sounds good, but what does that look like practically? Well, in my marriage, it looks like uh, entering into the world and the, the passions and the joys and the struggles of my wife. It looks like asking her questions about what she's reading, what she's learning uh, with God and in her work, and then listening to her and celebrating it and, and talking it through with her. It, it means leaning into things that I w- wouldn't normally do but are important to her, and so I do them, like watching Downing, Downton Abbey or any of the shows that she likes to watch. It, it's leaning in and caring for her and letting her know that I care for her by listening to her and and joining her in what she's passionate about. It's entering her world. And so guys, one of the ways we can do this is to to ask ourselves, what gets our wife excited? Where does she get discouraged? Where does she get disappointed? Where does she feel burdened by the responsibilities that she's carrying? And then once you have those answers, then you act. You say, how can I enter into that and love her there and join her there? See, when you do that, you're gonna be showing your wife that you understand her, that you care for her, that she's known and cared about. But don't just show that you understand her. Peter says, show your wife, honor her. Show your wife honor. Treat her with care and respect. Protect her. She's physically weaker than you, so be a protector of her. When you look at her, see her as your equal because that's who she is. Honor her in this way. Be there for her. Make her feel safe. Treat her with the respect and the dignity that she deserves. Men, husbands, this is your part to play. This is the part that you have to play. And we need to hear that because for too long, verses like verse one have been at the forefront of male minds and we've forgotten about verses like verse seven. Verse one has been used uh, and mishandled and misused in such a way that it's made women feel insuperior and insignificant and, and the weight of that has come crashing down on far too many women. And ladies, if that is you, I'm sorry. It's not meant to be that way. It's not it's supposed to be that way. I'm sorry. Now, guys, some of us have hidden behind verses like verse 1 and forgotten verses like verse 7 for far too long. We want our wives to submit to us, but we're not willing to lay our lives down for her, to lift a finger to help her, to invest in her, to show her honor. We're not willing to, to invest in the journey that she's on. See, you have been called to love your wife and lay your life down for her in the same way that Jesus did for you. That's your part to play, husbands. So like Jesus, die to yourself, put your wife first and honor her. That's your part to play, husbands. You have a part to play in the same way that she has a part to play because you're in this together. You're in this together, husbands and wives. And the first thing that you need to hold on to together is this idea that every marriage needs a message to live by and a mindset to aim for. Every marriage needs a message to be its foundation and its rock. And every marriage needs a mindset that together you aim to accomplish. And we've seen this morning or today that the message to live by is the message about Jesus, about who he is and what he's done. It's this message that has at its very heart a loving sacrifice for the good of others. 
It's a message that is meant to shape you and how you treat one another. It's a message that has power to, to, to empower you to go and live the way of Jesus in your marriage. So every marriage needs this message as its foundation and its rock, but it also needs a mindset to aim for. And the mindset is this, that you are in this together. That it takes two people working together, each playing the parts that they have to play to the best of their ability so that together they can experience all that God has for them and all that he intends for them in their marriage. This is where Peter's pointing us in this passage. Your marriage, my marriage, the marriage that you are working towards, every marriage needs a message to live by and a mindset to aim for. So where do we go from here? How do we respond to this? Well, one of the ways we can is we can follow the wise words of Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings series. So there's this one scene that I love so much. He's, he's sitting there with Frodo and Frodo's come to this moment where, where he is just feeling overwhelmed as he's swept up into this story that's so much bigger than himself and he doesn't know how to handle it anymore. And he says this line uh, to Gandalf. He says, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had ever happened. And Gandalf looks at Frodo and in that moment, he says something that we need to hear. He says this, he says, so do all who live to see such times but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. And Gandalf is, is so wise, isn't he? Because we don't have control of the situation that we find ourselves in today, but we do have control on how we respond to that situation. So here's what that means. It means right here, right now, you have the opportunity and choice, whether you're married or not married, to respond to the situation you're in. Husbands and wives, you have the opportunity to respond together, to lean in, to take this moment to grow together, to set a new trajectory for your marriage, to recommit yourselves to something new and something better together. Or you can do nothing. But if you want the blessing of marriage, the blessing that it's meant to give you, then you need to go and battle together and fight together for your marriage with the right message at its core and the right mindset to aim for. And you might look at that and you might see the challenges that are before you and you might think, I'll never be able to do that on my own power or on my own strength. It's not possible. And you know what? You're right. You can't. But the good news is, is that you don't have to. The good news is, is that you don't have to take this all upon yourself. And this is where the hope of the gospel comes in and meets us in this moment. If you're unaware that today is Pentecost Sunday, and it's a day the church celebrates of when God sent the Holy Spirit in power to come and live inside anyone who would believe in Jesus and to empower them to live the new kind of life that he offers us. It's a day celebrating the fact that God is not just out there somewhere, but he can actually live in here and be close and that whoever would believe in his son has a present power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, living inside them, making it possible for them to go and do what they could never do on their own. So your life, yeah, it might be falling apart and be really hard right now. Your marriage, it might be on the rocks. You guys might be really struggling right now. Your finances, yeah, it might be really tight. That job you want to get, but you haven't heard back yet, that waiting is hard. The stress of this season, all of it, it comes crashing down and you might look at the situation that you're in and you might feel that you can't. And that's okay. Because you might not be able to, but God is able. He is able to do far more than we could imagine according to his power that is at work 
within us, at work within those who believe in his son. And so with God's help, it is possible. He can restore and he can reconcile. He can comfort and he can heal. He can help you hold on just one more day. He can help you set a new trajectory from this moment on. He can give you a new life. He can help your marriage grow. He can take your marriage off life support. He can help your marriage grow and flourish. He can put it back together. He can change everything. So there's hope. There's hope for the married and about to be married. There's hope for those who are single but want to be married someday. There's hope for those who never want to be married and would never entertain that idea. And the hope is this, that with Jesus involved, there's always hope for you and for your marriage. God of grace, I thank you so much for the message of loving sacrifice that has made a way for all of us to to experience healing with you healing inside of us and has made it possible for us to have you live inside of us by the Spirit. I thank you for this message and I thank you for how this message shapes our life, how it impacts and affects everything, including marriage. And so God, I'm thinking about those who are not married and I pray that today that they would experience the hope uh, of the gospel, that they would see that Jesus, you came and lived and died for them and that they can do what you're asking them to do. They can take that next step because the power of Jesus lives inside of them. I'm thinking about those who are married, and and I pray, God, that your message of hope and power, the gospel, would come and and breathe fresh life into marriages, that they would, couples would come together and root and ground themselves in this amazing, life-giving, life-altering, marriage-empowering message. And I pray that you would bring healing and restoration and that you would bring health into marriages as they surrender to this message and they pull together in the direction you have for them. And so God, we we surrender ourselves to you and we celebrate you and what you've done. Thank you for the hope that we have. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.